And, uh, you know, so this morning I want to share some things. I'm going to recap something real quick from last week, and then I'm going to focus in on one specific area. Uh, Last week we had Vision Sunday, and so I was sharing with you what I believe that the Lord is stirring in my heart uh, for this year and even in the next couple years for us as a church, and just kind of laying out some vision. And uh, so I'm not going to re-preach that because I preached that last week, and if you weren't here, you can go catch it on the podcast. And uh, But I do want to share uh, something with you because this is actually one of the focuses of um, what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. And so uh, I want to share with you our core values. I shared this last week and kind of what are our core values. Basically, it's the motivation behind everything that we do. And so anytime that we do anything as a church, these are the things, the criteria, if you will. And so, uh, let's see, are they up there? You go ahead and switch it at them. I don't know. He's working on There we go. Bam. Technology working good. I like it when things work. You have no idea how bad when technology doesn't work, how much it throws me for a loop. Because it drives me insane. And I just like things that work. And uh, So anyhow, so here's our core values. I, I'm not going to take time to preach all of them. But here are the six things um, that I really believe for us as a church. Uh, and even as we've prayed over the last couple years. And I uh, really believe that the Lord has stirred. In other words, this is kind of like our DNA. It's our, our identity as a church. And so the first one is we believe big. And I'm actually going to be teaching and sharing with you along this line uh, this morning. Uh, is that we don't, we don't pray safe prayers. Around here. <laughs> Safe prayers, you can pray somewhere else. We pray big prayers because we serve a big God. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to be sharing some things with you about that this morning. The next one is that we serve others selflessly. In other words, we actually live out the way Jesus lived out. Uh, is that we selflessly serve other people. Uh, the next one is that we uh, have a heart. Or I, say, I wrote it this way. Is that we care for the lost, the hurting, and the sick. In other words, it's our problem, not just theirs. And uh, so if people don't know Jesus, that's our problem. And it's our responsibility to go to them, not them just to come to us. Uh, but also for people that are hurt and sick, uh, we have uh, the, the ability to affect change in their life as believers. And so, <clears throat> you know, these are core values for us. And so number four is that we live out generosity uh, in every way. Not just as a church, although, you know, I said it this way, is that we will not be cheap as a church. Amen. We will not be cheap. We will be good stewards, but we will not be cheap. And, you know, always, and I'll say this as well, just so that you understand what I mean by that. Doing something with excellence doesn't necessarily spending more money. It means finding the best way to do it and doing that. And and so, but we're not, but we want to live out generosity, not just as a church, but also in our individual lives. As Christians, we're called to live generous lives. And, uh, you know, and that goes beyond just finances. Time is more valuable than money because you don't get time back and you can't make up for lost time. You can make up for some lost money. You know, I mean, so, but we want to live out generosity in every part of our life. Um, You know, and so the fifth one is, is that we want to be uh, kingdom builders. In other words, we want to have a mindset that, hey, we're about the kingdom of God. And, And what is that? That's reaching one more person. We'll never be satisfied until we've exhausted the ability to touch one more person. And as long as there's the ability to reach one more, then we're going to have something to press for. And uh, so we ought to live that way. And the sixth one is this. And there's really two ways you can look at it. I put it like this, is that you are gifted. Because I want you to understand that we as a church, and even more importantly, as God views you as gifted by Him for a purpose. How many of you realize that? You have skill sets, you have personality, you have experiences, you have all these things in your life that have created you to be the person that you are, perfectly packaged for what purpose? To do something for God. 
And you are gifted. You didn't get shortchanged when you got born. You are fully resourced to do everything God's called you to do. And, uh, you know, and so uh, these are the six things. I just want to give them to you quickly. You'll be probably hearing more about these uh, as we move forward. But there are things that uh, really, I just as I've prayed and just be, really sought the Lord about it, that I've really felt stirred in my heart about these things. And so um, this morning I want to share with you about this first one, which is believe big. Because all the others don't matter if you can't do the first one. Um, you know, because this one, the first one affects everything. That's the why it's the number one. Because you've got to be able to believe big. And so you can go ahead and switch it back uh, to the computer. And uh, But that way I can actually get to my notes. I'm on a slideshow right now. But uh, anyhow, so this morning I want to share with you about this is that... Uh, is that we as a church will believe big. And what I mean by that is I don't pray safe prayers that are comfortable and convenient. Sometimes I pray prayers that make me squirm saying, God, if you don't come through, what am I going to do? And uh, that's what I mean by big prayers. Uh, because some, And I'm going to give you some examples of some safe prayers this morning because I believe if we want to do and reach all that God has for us to do, we're going to have to move from safe prayers. And I'm not saying that we have been praying safe. But what I am saying is that we have to move into a place of where it's just absolute trust and faith that God, if you don't show up, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to move things forward. And so this is going and is a, uh, you know, uh, just a core value. We are people of faith. I mean, we would be labeled as a faith church by some people. What does that mean? We simply trust God. And I'm believing God to do exactly what he says in his word. Jesus didn't die for a weak and pathetic church. He died so the church would be powerful that it would affect people's lives, it would affect their bodies, that it would affect their minds, that all of eternity would be changed because of what Jesus did. And he says, hey, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on the church as my one agent that I'm going to flow through in the world. I mean, have you ever thought about why we gather as a church or why there even is a church? Because God wants to flow through us, but through the church, yes. But we come here to get filled up so that we can go out and give out. And that's part of why we gather. And so this morning I want to share some things with you about this. But before I can really get into the praying big prayers part, I need to share just a a thought with you. Because this is important for you to understand. It's foundational. And it comes out of James chapter 1. Verse 16, it says this, it says, So don't be misled. In other words, don't be fooled, dear brothers and sisters. So he's talking to Christian folk here. He says, Whatsoever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. So in other words, whoever created all the heavens, all the stars, all the moons. He says, He never changes nor cast a shifting shadow. He uh, chose to give us birth by giving us His true word. And we, out of all of creation, became His prized possession. Now think about this. Here it says, anything that's good and perfect comes from one place, and that's God. For you to actually pray big prayers and believe God big, you've actually got to believe that He's on your side. That He's for you, that He wants to work on your behalf. Because in our minds, we can just think and get caught in the trap of of, of just, well, I'm just trying to make it through, and I'm just trying to make it through this life. I'm just trying to make it through this week. I'm just trying to make it through today. But realizing that we have a Heavenly Father who is not intimidated by our big prayers. 
But we won't pray big prayers if we view God as being little. We will pay, pray puny prayers to a puny God because that's our perception of Him. But when we see Him as big, as we see Him as large, as we see Him as powerful, we will actually, and, and this is just a truth, you can't pray a prayer larger than your view of God. It's impossible. Now, you can pray it, but that don't mean you mean it. See, there's a difference between talking and prayer. There's some faith involved in this. And, and so we have to understand is that, number one, everything good in your life came from one place. Everything good came from one place, and it's the Lord. Right. Every good, every perfect gift comes down from Him. And it says that He chose us to give us what? New birth in Christ. Why? Because we were His prized possession of all of creation. You are more valuable to God than anything else. In all of creation, you are more valuable. And if you understand how valuable you are to Him, you'll actually understand that how concerned He is for you. He's not passively just watching our lives fly by. He's actively involved, but it does require our participation for His purpose and His plan to come about in our life. And if we're going to see and have all that God wants in and for us in our lives and ultimately in our church, we're going to have to see God for who He really is, which is incredible. So far beyond our mental ability to process how great God is. I mean, the Bible says is that we can't even comprehend just His love for us. You, you just can't process a thought that would be big enough to understand that. You know, and the other side of this, and the way that I want to communicate this this morning, is really directly into your life. Because, yes, it plays a part in our church, but if you can't pray big prayers for your life, how are you going to pray big prayers for this church? And God won't do something in this church that He's not willing to do in you. So why reserve the big stuff for the church or for other people or for other things? Why not have the attitude that I'm going to pray big prayers because I want some big answers? Even things that may be intimidating to me are not intimidating to God. And so I want to share some things with you this morning along these lines. Now, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but over in Mark 11, starting in verse 22, Jesus speaking to the disciples. He walked by a fig tree the day before. There was no figs. He cursed it, said it would die. He came back the next day. The disciple Peter looks and says, hey, it's the fig tree that you cursed has dried up. in the Like he's amazed. He's shocked because what Jesus said happened overnight. That's the story of what's going, the background of what's happening here. And Jesus looks at him and says, have faith in God. Other, you know, it says that another way to say that is to have the God kind of faith. You know, God doesn't question when he speaks if something's going to happen. He just says, light be and there's light. Sometimes we, and that's how we ought to pray, by the way. We shouldn't just float something up to heaven saying, well, God, if, and we'll talk about some of this here in a few minutes. That, well, God, if you want to, if you're, if you're in a good mood today, if you want to help me today. No, God is interested in our life and he wants to do good. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He's not idle in heaven just sitting on a throne watching angels fly around. He's active in our lives. So it says that we're to have the faith, the God kind of faith, as I tell you. You can uh, say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and not doubt in your heart. 
So that's important. You must really believe what you're praying. He says, I tell you that you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Now, I know this has been taught, uh, for many of you have heard this, these particular verses taught many times. But yet, even in your own life and in your own circumstances and in the things that you face, you've got to be honest with where you're at in your level of faith, if you want to say it like that. In other words, you've got to know what, how far you can actually believe God. Now, here's the good news. You can actually remove doubt from your life. That's, you don't actually increase faith. You remove doubt from your life. But you have to understand that God wants to work and God wants to do great things in your life. That you can actually pray a big prayer that you think, oh my gosh, this would so go beyond anything that I could ever imagine God doing. That's okay. It's scriptural. Ephesians 2 says that God will do immeasurably more than all that you can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. So God says, look, I'll do more than you can even dream up. You say that's your wildest dreams. God says, I can go a step further and a few more than that. That's the God that we serve. God wants to do more uh, out of us and through us. Now I want to give you an example from Scripture of just an absurd prayer. You ever prayed an absurd prayer? Just something that seems so foolish that's just... Other people might even say, well, that's stupid. Let me give you an example of this. Turn over with me to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 12. It says, One day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. And it says that Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. Now this isn't a private prayer in his private place, his private closet. This is a public prayer. Now I know some of you may not understand this, but when you stand in front of people and say things, people kind of hear what you have to say. And they kind of remember what you have to say. So if you say something really smart, it looks really good. But if you have to say something really stupid, it's kind of embarrassing. Because they're like, hey, I remember when you said this. And it's not. Everybody else finds it funny. But you. But Joshua's praying in front of all the people. And he makes this prayer. And he says, let the sun stand still over Gibeon. And the moon over the valley of, I don't have a clue how to say that. You can take your own Shot at that. Verse 13 says, So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. That's a crazy prayer. Joshua prayed in front of a bunch of people because they were going to war, they were going to battle. And Joshua, I'll give you the little bit of the context of what's happening in this moment. Joshua knows that they're getting ready to go to battle and he's trying to finish the battle in a day. Why? Because if they go to rest, the enemies can flee. He's trying to completely destroy the enemy. And he prays the most ridiculous prayer. God, I need more time. Make the sun stand still. And it happened. Now you can actually go... I'm not a big science person. Just my least favorite subject of all. But you can actually go and find that there's record, that there is a space of time that they cannot account for in human history. That actually supports this very claim. Scientifically, not just from a theological, biblical. Scientifically, there's a space of time that they have no 
understanding of what happened. They just know there's some extra time, but they don't know why. That's their explanation of what has happened. And here it says that the sun stood still so that the, so that the children of Israel could continue to fight to defeat their enemy. It goes on in the second part of verse 13. says, The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set on a normal day. It says, There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. And it says, Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Amen. What a foolish prayer. God, I need some more daylight. We need to fight. We need to finish what we started today. And God, I'm asking you to cause the sun to actually just pause. So that we can keep fighting. How many of you would say that's a big prayer? That's a big prayer. I've never prayed for anything like, Lord, make the universe just stop. Like, just make it all just freeze in place. Like, all the rotation of all the... Just... Hit the pause button. It's like DVR, you know. Just... And yet Joshua prayed this most ridiculous prayer. And yet God answered. To the point that scripturally forever, this is the testament to it, is that there's never been a day like it. Except for this one, because Joshua prayed. That's a big prayer. But God answered. I actually think that that God takes it like a compliment when we pray big prayers. I really do. Thank you. Somebody that would just believe big and believe that I would do what I said I'll do. And I believe he wants to act in your life and for your life. I I love the way uh, one author said this. And he says, if you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to perform. You know, sometimes you've got to have just a little bit of audacity, a little bit of gumption about you. How many of you know what gumption is? If you don't know what gumption is, you're not from the South. But you've got to have a little something in you sometimes to pray What seemingly on the outside may seem like a foolish prayer. But see, if you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to perform it. And that was one of the things in January that I was sharing with you is that the Lord had stirred in me. Is that ask or or seek and you will find ask and the door will be opened, right? And I was encouraging to begin to pray and to ask the Lord this year to see specific things. Not just general, like Lord bless me. Okay, bless you in what? Like, let's make it specific. Let's put it on paper. Like, like you know, I wrote down six core values and I put it where we, we could read it. Do the same thing for your family. Do the same thing in your life. Write it down. These are the things that we're believing God for. And don't just leave it in the generic and in the vague. Make it specific. Why? That way you know when, you're, when you get your answer. It's like, because you could get to the end of the year and be like, well, God bless me. Oh, really? In what ways? Well, versus, oh, well, here's my list that I wrote down in January. I got three out of the five. We're still believing for the two, but I did get three of my answers already. See, then you have something that you can actually look at and say, the Lord's been working for me in that way. So just like Joshua prayed this most foolish prayer in this moment, I believe that we can also pray foolish prayers. And I believe that God will respond even to our foolish prayers. Now, some of you uh, that were here know this, some of you, but you don't. One of the things that, <clears throat> that we know in our heart uh, for us as a church is that we are reaching capacity for our facilities. Now, we're not moving. I don't believe we're supposed to move. Um, but 
that leaves us one option. We've got to expand some direction. Well, we've got roads on two sides of us, so that only leaves us two directions to go, right? And you remember I stood up here and we prayed, asking the Lord to give us wisdom and to give us favor, to stretch out. I don't have an answer for that yet, but it is coming. Well, that's kind of a big, crazy prayer, and especially when you stand up in front of people and pray stuff like that. But I do know this, if I never pray it, God will never answer it. And and if we don't believe it and continue to declare it and continue to believe God for it, it's not going to happen either. And the exact same thing is true in your life. In your marriage, in your family, in your house, in your job, in in everything that you have about... If you don't pray and ask God to help, He's not going to. God waits for an invitation. We invite God to work by praying. And if I'm going to take the... you know, And the thing is, it takes no more faith to believe big than it does to believe small. Really, it's it's not a matter of faith. It's just a matter of the believing God can do it. All right, God, if I can believe you to, you know, take care of this small bill, then I can believe you to take care of this big bill. What's the difference to you? I mean, what's the difference to God between a dollar and a thousand dollars? Now, it's something to me. (laughs) Might be something to you. But to him, what's the difference? So if I'm going to believe God to take care of this small thing, then why not believe Him for the big thing too? The thing that seems to be impossible. Jesus told the disciples, look, if you can pray and believe and really believe what you're praying, nothing will be impossible to you. Simply because you believed. So I want to give you some examples of, of safe prayers. Just to help communicate my point. A little bit. And look, and I I don't mean anything about what I'm calling a safe prayer. Please, I'm just going to say this up front. Don't be insulted if you pray this prayer. (laughs) But I want to help you replace that safe prayer with a faith-filled prayer. That's part of that believe big is that we pray big faith-filled prayers. We don't just pray big prayers. We pray them with faith attached. Why? Because God responds to faith. And so let me give you the first one here. And look, and just so you know, I've prayed every one of these. That's why I wrote them down. So don't feel bad. Here's an example of of a safe prayer. God be with me today. Now here's why that's a safe prayer. Did God not already put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to abide in you forever? Is God not everywhere all the time? So it asks the question, God be with me today. Has he left you? Your promise from scripture is, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the ages. So that's a safe prayer. God be with me today. Why? Because you're praying for something you already got. Now you may not sense his presence. You may not feel him there. That's a different prayer. You can say, Lord, help me realize and recognize your presence in my life. I want to discern your presence. That's a whole different question. All 
I wrote it this way in my notes is about this, is that does God not fill every inch of this planet and the universe already? The Bible says that every star is held in place by His power. Every star we've seen and known and even the ones we don't know about. It says the whole world is kept into existence by His power, by His ability. His presence fills even the universe. So I want to replace that safe prayer of God be with me today. And I want to encourage you to trade it out for this one. God, use me for your glory today. God, I know that you're with me. So if you're with me, then you've got a purpose. So I'm going to ask you to use me today for your glory. Now, if you'll start your day with that, it might start your day a little different. And you might be a little more focused at the beginning of the day. God, I'm asking you to use me today for your glory. Now, how? However you want to do it, I don't even care. I don't care if you want me to lead somebody to salvation. I don't care if you want me to pray with somebody. I don't care if you just want me to be nice to the lady who serves my lunch. I want to bring glory to you today. And so I'm going to ask you to help me to do that today. Now you can say things like this, you know, even along this lines. The Bible says, I have the greater one living on the inside of me. It says, greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Well, when you realize that, it will change how you live. Why? Because now you're not just trying to make it through today. You're going to walk in some victory today. And you're not going to let the enemy overwhelm you. You've got the greater one living on the inside of you. And because of that, that causes you to live by faith. Romans 1.17 says that the just or the righteous shall live by faith. As believers, we're called to live day to day by faith. Now here's another one, and this is a big, uh, a big one for a lot of people. If it be your will. Now let's just say, I mean, of all safe prayers, I think this is the safest Why? Because it puts God under no obligation whatsoever to do anything He said. It's the ultimate cop-out for God. Lord, if it be Your will. And then we pray, and we say, God, You didn't answer. It must not have been God's will. Like, we don't know the will of God. We know the will of God is that all men would be saved. We know that all men would walk in healing. We know that all people would walk in... That's God's will. Why? Because that's what the Word of God says. God's word is reveal, or God's will is revealed through His Word. God doesn't have multiple personalities where one side of it's the Bible and then He has this other side that He didn't want to tell us about. So, most of you are married or have been married. You know, there's that side of the person that you knew when you dated and then you got married and realized there was another side that you didn't quite know about yet. God's not that way. God has revealed His will in His Word to us. And so because of that, we ought to be able to stand upon the promises of God, not back off of them. And we can actually say, Lord, I thank you that you're healing my body. I have symptoms. I have pain. I have circumstances right now. But I thank you. We were singing it just a minute ago. It's more than a song. It's more than a lyric. I declare that you are my healer, that you are my strengthener, that you are everything that I need right now in this moment. 
So when I go to God to pray, I don't have to say, well, God, if it be your will, let me just go find a scripture. Does God want me healed? By the stripes of Jesus, I have been made whole. Yes. Does God want me to prosper and to be in health? Yes, I can give you multiple scriptures along that line. Do I have a plan and a purpose from God that's been encoded into my DNA? Yes. And the same is true for you. Why? Because I can go throughout scripture. Will God ever leave me? Am I ever left alone? No. Repeatedly, over and over and over again, God says, I will never leave you. So I don't have to wonder what God's will is. He's given me his word that declares his will over my life and over your life. So I don't have to give God a cop out. And I don't have to play it safe and be intimidated. Being like, well, God, if you want to work for me, because that's really what, if it's your will, really is. God, if you want to. I believe you can, but I just don't know if you will. That's what, if it be your will, really is saying. So this is how, this is the prayer that I would encourage you to replace this with. Lord, your word says I have whatever it is that you have need of. And I thank you that I receive it in Jesus' name. See, big prayers don't have to be hard to say or difficult. They're not long. They're not in King James, perfect Elizabethan English. They ain't even got to be pretty. They just have to be believed. Lord, I thank you that I see in your word that you want me healed. And I thank you that I receive that healing now in the name of Jesus. That's a big faithful prayer. Why? Because if you're hurting, it makes a big difference. Lord, I thank you. Jesus said that he left his peace for me. And I see that, that peace is mine according to my covenant with you. So I thank you that I receive peace now in the name of Jesus. You begin to declare God's word over your life, not just in thought, but actually in word. You begin to speak God's word over your life. And and so we can pray these types of things. Let me give you another one. This one kind of ties in with the previous one, but you'll see why I'm saying it here in a second, but... Is that many times we'll pray safe prayers, which is this, bless me and bless my family. Take care of us. Look out for us. One of our other core values is that we serve others selflessly. If your prayer safely stays at just take care of me and mine, then you're missing out on the true blessings that God has for you. Why? Because God wants us to live beyond ourselves. So when we pray... We ought to not just pray that we're a blessing. We ought to pray that, Lord, I thank you that I am blessed to be a blessing. I thank you that the Bible says that if I give, Luke 6, 38, give and what? It shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That what? That other people are actually going to give back into your life. I have an expectation of not only will I be blessed, but I believe that I will be blessed to the point that I can actually be generous and pour out blessing to other people. That is God's will. But the problem is for some of you that your thought is this, is I'm good. I've got what I need. Well, great. Maybe God wants to use you beyond what you need. Maybe God wants to challenge your status quo and God wants to increase you to a point where you're like, what do I do with this stuff? 
Now, I know that seems crazy, but you go read the Old Testament. Everybody you read about was, for the most part, had resources. I'm not telling you you're going to be filthy rich. Generous is not a dollar amount. It is a mindset. It's just... But yet, if you can't even see yourself being blessed... I mean, like, let's just make it very practical. If you can't see yourself having all of your bills paid and not having debts, right. how are you ever going to believe God to do more in your life? I remember for us that when the Lord gave me the instruction and I really felt stirred in my heart that we were supposed to get out of debt, which I didn't know God was about to ask us to move, which would have been really difficult with a bunch of debt. Now this was, you know, the Bible says it. He's the God who sees ahead and makes provision. It was almost three years before we moved that God told me to, to get out of debt. Well, it took some time. Now, supernatural, maybe you know, our testimony, God just gave us ability to do some things. It was just crazy. And we got out of debt. And then the Lord said, okay, now it's time to move. Within six months of us getting out of debt, actually, it wasn't even that. It was within about two or three months of us getting out of debt, we moved. Well, I didn't know that was the start of multiple multi-state moves within a couple of years. None of that would have been possible had I had all the death that I had. just wouldn't have been possible. But one of the hardest things for me about getting out of debt was the ability to believe that I would have no credit cards. Like I just couldn't imagine life without a credit card or having debt on a credit card. I just, in my mind, I just couldn't. But then I, I, the Lord brought some resources, brought me some things. That's why we're doing something, you know, even like what John and Laurie are doing with their small group. Why? Because that's the very book that God used in my life. That helped me get some wisdom so that I could actually get together with a plan and begin to work. But if I can't believe God to even get me out of debt, how am I going to believe God to be a blessing and to be generous? Now, God, I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you've got debt. Look, I have debt too, so don't feel bad. But I'm not going to be satisfied and just content with it. I'm actively believing God. Why? Because I realize that debt is an inhibitor to my generosity. I would rather have the ability to give money to whoever I want than I would to a bank that I've never seen. They call that interest, by the way. See, most of us are so generous with the bank that we can't be generous with, with other people. That's the truth. You're generous, all right. Generous to them. I don't know about you. I've never been joyful about being generous to the bank. Every month. I'm like, I'm getting ripped off. That's what I think. They are ripping me off. So begin to pray some big prayers. Say, God, I don't have a clue how you're going to do this. I don't, I, I don't have a clue how we're ever going to get out from underneath this that we're in. Look at the mess I created. I've shared this, but I'll just say it very quickly. When, I was, when, we, when the Lord began to stir in me about getting out of debt, I had talked to three different experts in financial counseling. And they all gave me the same report. We don't have a clue how you've done what you've done. They're like, we don't know how you're, you have so much debt and you're paying so little on it. Like, that's not even legal. That was, somebody actually told me that. But I had done what many people do. 
took one credit card and got the little, you know, their promotion thing and rolled them and rolled them and rolled. Well, they start stacking, right? Well, the problem was I, I knew in my heart that, hey, that those promos are about to run out. I'm about to start getting hammered and I can't pay for it. And they all told me the same thing. We can't help you. So what did I do? When all hope fails, you go to God, right? <laughs> Lord, help me. But you know what? We began to believe God. And one of the most supernatural times of our life, as far as financially, I mean, it's just crazy. Man, we bought a house. We got out of debt. It was just nuts. It was just stupid. But why? It wasn't because of who we are. We just started believing God. And then we were obedient to do what He said. It didn't happen overnight. I didn't win the lottery. Nothing like that happened. Nobody just wrote me some fat check and mysteriously overnight. A lot of it was God brought me work. We don't like that part, but sometimes God will bring you work to help you pay off your bills. Now, there was some aspects where people were generous and the Lord had instructed them to bless. Yes, but God gave us a lot of work to do as well, and we took everything. We paid taxes on it, we gave tithes on it, and everything went to debt. That's the way we did it. Very, as disciplined as we could be. But the Lord blessed us. Well, we had to get to a place where we could actually believe God for something different. That we could see, that we would actually have hope that our life could be different. Is that, hey, this is not the way it's going to be forever. I begin to see a better picture of my life. Because that was weighing on me. So even as we're praying and believing God... You may be in a hole right now and you're thinking, there's no way to get out of this hole. I've got good news. You serve a God of the impossible. But what it is going to take is for you to get His wisdom and to walk it out and to live that out, to believe Him through the process, and God will turn it. But we've got to do our part. And we have to believe Him in the process. We can't shortchange Him. God, if if it's Your will, You'll bless me. Well, I guess I'm not blessed. Well, no. Did God give you wisdom? Did you walk in it? I can't ignore the wisdom of God and then blame God for my situation in any area of my life. I mean, you know, kind of take it out of the... If I'm believing God to bless my marriage with Dara, but then I don't watch the words that I say to her or, or how I treat her or those types of things because the Bible says, what, I'm to love her as Christ loves the church. Well, I can't treat her like the enemy, and expect God to bless my marriage. Why? Because God's will is His Word. And in my life, it says to love her like Christ loves the church and sacrificially lay my life down for her. That's what the Bible says. Now, if I'll do that, the blessings of God will be in my marriage. Why? Because it's God's will. That's what my instruction is as a husband. I'm to lay down my my life for, for her. And I'm to love her and to serve her. Now, but that's so. But if I do that and I pray and I ask the Lord, I'm like, God, I want to have the best marriage ever. I, I want to be a model marriage for people to look at. I want people to look at my marriage and be jealous. Yeah. Like, well, you're not supposed to be jealous. Get off your religious high horse. <laughs> people can be jealous of my marriage. It's okay. Why? Because when they come and ask me back, how do y'all just get along? 
Jesus. That's how. And if you ain't got Jesus in your marriage, you're already sunk. So get some Jesus in your marriage and start doing what he tells you to do and you'll be all right. That's the secret. I ain't there yet. I'm working on it. Me and Jesus are talking. Now, I want to encourage you, you know, and even this morning as I've been sharing these things. I want to encourage you in your own life about believing God big. About praying some big faith-filled prayers for your life. But the same principles that work in our lives also work in our church. Said, I believe God wants to use us to touch more people. I believe God wants to do some things that only He can get glory for. Because there's no strategy, there's no plan, there's no like, oh, well, we did A, B, C, and D. If you can say A, B, C, and D, is this is how it happened, it probably wasn't the Lord. I'll say it this way, if you could say it ahead of time. We're going to do A, we're going to do B, we're going to do C, and we're going to do D, and we're going to see this situation change. I was a part of something one time where we had fundraised a ton of money for our church, uh, which I've shared this before. We raised $100,000 in six months, which was crazy. That was 25% of our budget for the church, and we did it without our pastor's knowledge. Stupid. Like in church world, that doesn't happen. Just it, It's crazy. Well, I thought in my mind that we had, man, we did this. Because I had people calling me. I had pastors of churches calling me. How in the world did you do this? Like Because they all think, oh, well, there's a system. And me and my ignorance said, oh, well, we did A, B, C, and D. Because there were some things that we did that, yeah, I felt like the Lord told me to do. But it wouldn't matter what I did if the blessing of the Lord wasn't on it. It wasn't going to happen. Just was not going to happen. And the Lord did it in ways that I never conceived of or thought of. And I think I've shared this. A man brought me $25,000 cash in a rusted coffee can that was buried in the ground. Never saw that one coming. Not exaggerating. Absolute truth. A rusted out coffee. And my thought is, how many coffee cans you got? That's That's where my thought was. That's, that's, I'm just, that's what I'm thinking. Just being honest. But I never conceived that God would do something like that. Just crazy. Honestly, I didn't even know if this man was saved. I didn't. His wife was nice. He never talked. Just German to the core, so no expression, you know. Just... Didn't want anybody to know about it, all this stuff. But he was part of the provision. Well, I ain't that smart. I'm not good in that way at all. It was the blessings of God that came in a moment. And the crazy thing was, we tried to do something not even a year later to raise $7,000. Couldn't do it. That's when the reality check hit me like, I ain't that smart. Because we've been trying for months to raise $7,000 and I couldn't do it. In the exact same church. The exact same people. Like nothing had changed. If anything, I should have had more knowledge about the people at that point. It should have been easier. I was thinking, oh, we'll have this done in a week. This ain't going to be no problem at all. Go find a coffee can. You know. The metal detector. You know. I don't know. 
But that's when it hit me. It had nothing to do with what we were doing. It had everything to do with what God was doing. And see, and I believe that that's true even for us as a church. Look, I, I told you last week, and I mean this sincerely, I don't have a plan. Now, that might freak you out a little bit, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Why don't I have a plan? Because God hasn't told me yet. God hasn't told our leadership yet. We don't have specifics. If we do, we'll tell them to you when we get them. And this is what I know. We don't have them because we don't need them yet. God always tells you what you need to know when you need to know it. Now, sometimes he gives you glimpses ahead of time. I have some hunches, but I don't know. How's God going to do it? I don't know. I don't have to know how God's going to do it. All I have to do is believe him for it. And I shared with you last week about this is that for what God, I believe what God wants to do in our church. And, and really it's about influencing not just our city, but this region. For us to do what God has called us to do, it, it's going to be more than just a handful of people's faith and a, 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 a handful of people's prayers. It's when we as a church come together and we begin to pray. Not just corporately, although there's an element of that, but even as we pray individually at home. And we're praying, saying, God, we ask you to, move, to use our church to influence our, our, our area, to change lives, that we would see broken lives made whole, that we would see people who are lost come to, to salvation and faith and living a life of your blessing in their life. Why not us? Why not our church? I'm not saying we're any better than anybody else, but this is where we are. So we have authority, spiritually speaking, as far as prayer. Why pray just safe prayers? I mean, I shared with you last week, we paid everything off in October of this church. We have no debt. We don't owe anything. We own this building. We own the property. We own everything about it. Great. What now? That was one of the things last year that I felt like the Lord really prompted in my heart was to pay off the building. Finish paying it off. So we did that. But I also know that what God has for us is greater than probably than what we can conceive or, or comprehend right now. But that's not our responsibility to figure those things out. Our responsibility is just to pray a big prayer and say, God, I'm going to pray a big prayer because you're a big God. And I believe that you're going to do exactly what you said in your word. You're going to do great things and we're going to get to be a part of the kingdom of God expanding. We're going to be a part of the story. That my life was changed because so-and-so invited me to church. My life was changed because so-and-so took time and went to lunch with me and led me to Christ. My life's never been the same. My neighbor was gracious and brought me dinner and it started up a conversation and they prayed with me and, and God healed my body. Those are the kinds of things that the church has called for. So that the body of Christ could be representatives of Jesus to the people that they would come in contact with. My heart is not just to build a church. My heart is to build people. To build lives. To see lives touched. To see lives changed. To see families restored and repaired. And to see God work in people's hearts. But it's not going to come because I just say safe prayers. Well, God just bless our church. I believe God will use us to bless other churches, even in our own city. Like, well, why would you do that? Because it's our core value. 
because we live out generosity. If another church has a need and we have the ability to meet it, we will. You're like, well, but they're in your town. Exactly. The Bible says they're co-laborers. They're not the competition. And if you have that mindset, that is not my mindset. If we have the ability to bless, we will. Why? Because it's who we're called to be. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's who God wants us to be. And I'm not concerned about all the other stuff. You're like, well, what if you give some way that you need? Well, God brought it to begin with. He'll get it back to me if I need it. And knowing God, it'll probably be an upgraded version. Why? Because you can't sow that you don't reap. So that's who we are as a church. And, and even for you in your own individual life, I just want to encourage you. Ask the Lord. You know, I mentioned it earlier. Make that list. What are those things you're believing for? Don't make it safe. Pray some big prayers. Like, well, what if it doesn't happen this year? You just keep praying into next year. Like, well, that's a long ways away from now. You just don't quit. You don't give up. Why? Because you have a promise from the Word of God. Now, I didn't say this earlier, and I'll say it real quick before I wrap up, but talking about it God's will being in the word I wrote this down so for what it's worth it might help you remember it if it's in the book it's in God's plan for you if it's in the Bible it's in God's plan for you you don't have to complicate it make it difficult God has revealed his will in his word so if it's there it's for you and God wants to do great and mighty things I believe God wants to do great things in your life I believe God wants to do great things through our church But he can't do something in a church that he first doesn't do in us. And and so, no. I mean, you know, we kept those cards. You know, at the end of January, we asked you to bring a prayer request. Something that you're believing God for this year. I still have them. They're sitting on my desk at my house. I still pray over them. And we'll continue to pray over them. Why? Because we believe in prayer. We believe that God answers prayer. If you've got the audacity to ask, God has the ability to perform. He's got the ability to work for you if you'll simply ask him. Amen.